Man, Russell Westbrook joins the Clippers. Bradley Beal unveils when Hackabend started. And the clinic checks into the MVP race. I'm Rosa Panto. This is Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the three hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Ooh, feeling good, feeling great. How about you guys? Man, I'm feeling good. John, how you living, my friend? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm excited for this episode. Sammy, I think you know why. I bet, I bet you are, John. And Sammy, how you living, my friend? I'm good, man. I'm rested after the All-Star break and ready to deal with what is apparently coming to me in this episode. Oh, dude. Well, it's going to have to wait for a little bit because we have to talk about the All-Star game a little bit. It wasn't that great of a game. And we're going to do a little something a little different. We're going to do a rapid fire dub or dud. I'm going to read you guys some quotes. The first one is going to be from Stephen A. Smith. He says, there is one blemish that should be on LeBron James career. He ruined the dunk contest. He is personally, personally responsible. LeBron ignored that obligation. He said, no, I'm not doing it since he made that decision. We've seen year after year the dissipation of stars participating in the slam dunk contest. So what do you guys think? Dub or dud? You are a hater. That's a dub statement by Stephen A. Smith. I know that the dunk contest, John, doesn't really make you a better player. That accolade doesn't, but it, it adds to the legacy. And I just imagine, what if Steph, the leading three-point um, leading three-point player of all time didn't never participate in the three-point contest. I would, as a Curry fan, not like that. As a Jordan fan, if he never participated in the dunk contest, his lore wouldn't be as great. So I'm just going to say that, man. Dub for Stephen A. Smith. Yes. What do you think, John? Absolute, absolute dub. I think... JJ hit the nail on the head. When you have, when you are considered one of the top three players of all time, arguably the GOAT, you got to do the dunk contest at least one time. Look at the his, look at look at what history shows. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, you guys got you got Vince Carter. I mean, and it, it's terrible because it sets a precedent, right? And not only did he not do it, he said he was going to do it and then backed out. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, the that's worst right. part. Actually. Oh, that's actually the worst part. So. Definitely a dub from me from Stephen A. Smith. How dare, how dare he? But we have our next quote here. It's actually about Mac McClung winning the slam dunk contest. Evan Fournier, he said this. He said, I hate to be that guy, but is that really a 540 though? Impressive dunk regardless, but looks more like a 360 to more. And I have another quote here. It's actually the skating legend, Tony Hawk, he chimed in and he said, on behalf of the vertical skateboarding community, it's a verified 540. Excuse Sammy, what do you think? Me. Well, first of all, um, for those of you who had the 5,000 to one odds on Tony Hawk and Evan Fournier having a conversation about the dunk contest on Twitter, you win. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, let's just start by saying, from Fournier, man, I think this is an absolute dud. Like, Mac McClung basically ended up saving the weekend, in a sense. The three-point contest was solid, Amen. but he was what everyone was talking about. So why do you have to yeah! do that one guy? It's like, was it really that good, or was it really that kind of dunk? Like, man, just leave it alone. This It was an amazing dunk. He had a great performance. He literally doubled his career earnings. Like, leave it be. Let the kid have his moment in the sun. Absolute dud for me. 
you are a hater. I'm gonna come up with the hater agreement with you, Sammy. Dud by Fournier. Hey man, I'm gonna just say this. If you can't do the 540, you need to shut up. You have no right to talk. He, like Sammy said, he's he saved Mac McClung saved the weekend. Alright? So with Fournier coming out with like actually it's a 360, not a 540. Shut <laughs> your nerd ass up. Duh. Well, we're gonna take our take it to the next quote here. Jalen Brown, he said, that wasn't basketball. That was just highlights and layups and jump shots. Probably just two fouls called the entire game. For me, I'm sure people would like to see a little bit more than what we displayed. But I guess that's the format of what we've been doing. And I'm not sure how they're going to change it. And he's talking about the All-Star game here. John, what do you think? Yes, absolute dub. And honestly, I think Jalen Brown kind of held back his punches here. I don't know what I was watching. It wasn't basketball. It was certainly just a bunch of nonsense to me. I mean, like, what are we doing? Why are we sitting here anticipating a game of the best basketball players in the world, right? The top 24, whatever it is, how many how many players the teams have in the world to watch them run around, jog around and barely play hard. I mean, that's the all-star game. That's what it's become. And it's really sad. And so they got to figure out a way to fix this because it's turning into the Pro Bowl, like, fast. That is correct. <clears throat> I mean, I agree. Um, his statement's right. It is a dub in that regard. And I was listening, and I want to give credit to Zach Lowe. I was listening to his podcast because he talked about this for a while. And the whole thing about how do we fix it, I don't know if it's fixable. I think you get the years, like, the year after Kobe passed, if you remember it was the first year they changed the format and the all-star game was literally like three weeks uh after he passed so you could tell the players took a little additional uh pride and like they took it to heart because that game was the one where end of the game they were within like eight uh the squad that had him beat started just posting him up trying to get mismatches it got crazy competitive i don't know if you guys remember that game but yeah. it felt like oh. and where zach Lowe was really uh just insightful to me was he mentioned look at the players on the court in that game it was Giannis it was Chris Paul it was like these crazy competitive dudes and on the heels of what had occurred it just seemed like the right mix to me barring some massive prize like if they up the amount the players get to something that's a big deal to them so that's what a million bucks ahead for the winner Unless they do something like that, the only time you're going to get a competitive game is if you have the rep the personalities who just like to win. Otherwise, this is what we're going to get. I don't I don't see they've tried changing it, and this is where we are now. So I don't know if there's a change we can make. So I agree with Jalen Brown. It was not entertaining. I ended up just watching the highlights on YouTube after a while because it was just not. I didn't want to sit there for three hours and watch that. Pretty much. Uh, but yeah. I don't I don't know what else they can do with it. I did the same thing because it was getting almost cringy, especially like with Cheryl Miller and um, no, Reggie Miller. Reggie, and who was it? Reggie, yeah. um, Candace Parker and Candace Parker. 
and they're like, oh boy, here we go, final two they minutes. They were trying. They were trying. <laughs> we're gonna, trying. We're yeah. gonna see some defense here. And then Jalen Brown just goes up for like an open, uncontested layup. It was just so cringy yeah. just to watch. I just had to I had to YouTube it afterwards. But anyway, we're gonna take this um to our next topic here. Big news for the Clipper fan Sammy here. Russell Westbrook is now on the LA Clippers. And he had this to say. He said the ultimate goal is to win a championship. The dialogue is just about winning. I think the most important part, the ultimate goal is to win a championship and we know what we have to do and it's that. So, Sammy, I'm gonna have you go last, my friend. All right. I'm gonna have you go last. JJ, what do you think about Russell Westbrook on the LA Clippers? Uh, if I'm being real, I'm trying to support my boy here, but I can't and I won't because I feel that the fit is terrible. I mean, how much better is the Russell Westbrook playing style that much different from John Wall? You have a point guard that is depending on his athleticism that's no longer there, that takes bad three-point shots, and who finishes at the rim less than 50%. Paul George needs the ball in his hand. Kawhi needs the ball in his hand. And if you have Westbrook with another center that cannot shoot, like Zubak or Plumlee, what's that, what is that going to do to the Clipper offense? And the Clipper defense, we know it's great, but with Westbrook at the point, it's not going to be... I mean, there's going to be a vulnerable spot, as we've seen with John's Lakers, where people targeted Westbrook on defense. So, John, as a person that experienced watching every single Laker game this year with your ex-boy Westbrook on Sammy's team, <laughs> what do you think, man? Dude, he can't stop smiling. I can already tell what he thinks. I know, dude. He looks so happy right now. <laughs> Wouldn't it, well, let me start with this. Wouldn't it be crazy if I flip this around and I give Westbrook his flowers and I say he's a great fit? Wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> you're not going to do that. You're, you're, you're right. It would be crazy because I'm not going to do that. And there's no chance I would ever do that. So here's what I'm going to say. Sammy, I was taking receipts. I've been taking receipts for the last two years about your comments on Westbrook, your gifts, everything that you've been saying about the Lakers. And I'm telling you, man. It's coming full circle. But here's here's the thing about it. I will say this. I do not know what the Clippers were thinking. I just, I honestly don't. And what's even more mind-boggling to me is that they're saying he's going to start taking minutes away from Terrence Mann and Norman Powell. I mean, that's just how it's going yeah. to be. Somebody has to give up those minutes that Westbrook is going to get. And who is that going to be? It's going to be naturally the guard's position. I don't understand it. And I feel like the Lakers set a trap for a team and the Clippers took the bait. Hook, line, and sinker. I mean, I guess here's a question for you guys, right? Because I, I can go on about Westbrook, how he's a bad fit, but JJ already so eloquently expressed this. If Paul George wasn't a Clipper, do you think Westbrook would be a Clipper right now? Open form. I honestly have no idea at this point. My lean would be no. Well, I, well, well. I do think that clearly in any locker room, Clippers included, 
the stars are going to have sway with the GMs. I never do think that's a good thing, and because most of the time it's, it backfires spectacularly. So just to answer that part of the question before I go into everything else, I would say most likely my lean would be no, like 60-40 no. JJ? Okay, JJ? What was your question again? Uh, I was like, I said if, if Paul George was not a clipper and making it known that he wants Westbrook on the team, do you think Westbrook would be a clipper still? Oh man, I'm going to say no. I think, well... Westbrook is desperate. I think that's why he moved <laughs> to the Clippers, to be honest. He wanted to stay at home, so... Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Because I think we, like, league-wide, I think a lot of people thought that Russell Westbrook might be borderline out of the league. And now, he's going to be starting for, like, a top five team in the West. So I, if Paul George didn't say anything, I don't think he'd be on the Clippers. I just don't. I, I just don't get. It. And, and I'll, I'm just. I'll say this, Sammy. Like <laughs> before, I throw it to you because I know you probably have a lot to say. I just don't know. They should have kept Reggie Jackson, at least in my opinion. I know they got they got Plumlee, right? But I, I just don't see the fit. I mean, if they put him, take him off the bench, the Lakers kind of gave the formula for, to have. To, to tolerate Westbrook and to have him in the best possible position to succeed. Off the bench, no crunch time minutes. But if the reports are true and tomorrow we see Russell Westbrook starting and they don't pull him in crucial moments, I don't know what to say. I will be beside myself. And I'm speaking from a, a friend of Sammy's. Like, I don't want to see that because as much as I love love throwing these jabs at Sammy, it is like, you know, I get it. It's it's no! I've watched Westbrook for the last two years and he does for every one good thing he does he does four or five bad things and i hope it's different for you but i'm not i'm not holding my breath my man so i want to get your thoughts i hear you um so next question um <laughs> so i've been you know just trying to digest this over the last few days i I'll say from his perspective, it you could see what the last years have done to him. He looked like a cloud was lifted off his shoulders. And I don't blame that on the Lakers at all. I just think the Lakers are a spotlight team. The same way the Knicks are a spotlight team. The same way the Warriors are now a spotlight team. Anything you do there gets magnified. And I know the Clippers are obviously in the same city. But the, the magnifying glass is not going to be there. The microscope. It's not going to be there to the same effect. So that might help him. Um... I don't think it's a great fit either. I hope for his sake and the teams, obviously it works, but I've been like listening and reading stuff and trying to figure it out. And so I agree with you on the crunch time minutes. My initial thought is they seem to have found their closing five. We talked about this last week before they signed him. I hope they stick with it. Gordon in the essentially point guard spot closing made a lot of sense with whichever big you want to put there. Plus obviously Kawhi and PG and then Powell. I hope they maintain that because then you still have four shooters. The other way that I would imagine them using him if they're smart, which I think Tyloo will try to maximize his abilities no matter whether it was his choice to bring him in or not, is to do a lot of five out, not necessarily play Zoo or Plumlee with him. I would imagine you're gonna see Morris running like a small ball five a lot more so that there's four shooters with him because that way you do minimize the lack of shooting on the floor that John mentioned. 
Defensively, I do think they have the defenders to cover any deficiencies he may have in that regard too, just because of the amount of wing defense on this team. So overall, I if they if they do close with him, I agree with John. I think it's a massive mistake. I don't think he should be out there in the last three, four minutes. And I don't think the fit is great, but we'll see. I think they they clearly tried to make a move for a point guard at the deadline. The, the price for Van Fleet was too high. I don't think they got in on Conley in time. It sounded like they were interested, but the Lakers made that three-team deal. And in that regard, they got desperate that they didn't have a true point guard on the roster. So so I will say this too, oh, a quick response, is that if there's one silver lining about this, is that there's a huge difference between Westbrook on the Lakers versus Westbrook on the Clippers. And that is about 45, $43 million. Yeah. So that is the real reason why it's not as big of a risk, right? You can easily... Absolutely. So and you don't have to you don't have to leverage and gut your entire team of role players because you have no no money. Right. And so in that regard, um, I think the team around him is better equipped for his current skill set, both strengths and weaknesses, than what the Lakers tried to bring him in to be at the time last year because they had to gut so much of the roster. Uh, the other thing that I think the team has shown they're willing to do, and obviously well, taking out the salaries because they don't matter, like you said. With Wall, it didn't work. They cut bait right away. It's not like they said this is a named player and we have to try to make this work. I think if they come in for 10 games and he's n- not helping the team at all, I don't think they would stop to waive him. I really think they would go ahead and do the same thing and it wouldn't cost them anything. So right. in that regard, it is very low risk. The big thing, obviously, is that we've got 20 games plus the playoffs and this team has not been healthy together all year and just brought in three new guys. Mm-hmm. In re- last thing I'll say to this is in regards to his minutes, he's clearly going to take some from man. I actually think the rest of the minutes might come from Bones Highland. He's playing about 15 a game. I don't see where Highland, Gordon, Powell, Westbrook, all these guys are going to get time. I think Highland's going to be the odd man out because they looked at him as a, a talented kid and not necessarily an immediate contributor. So I think his 25 minutes or so, depending on what he gets, is going to be a little bit of man's and mostly Highlands minutes, if I had to guess up front. And hey, I'll leave it at that. Thing so I is hope that... it works, but we'll see. Let me uh, let me is... just say one... Oh, go ahead, John. Go. Sorry. No, no, go, go, go. I was just going to say one... I, I should probably provide one pro of this whole exchange between Westbrook and the Clippers. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to. <laughs> because role players are supposed to make your star players better and vice versa. If there's one silver lining... Paul George's best year was when Westbrook was at, when they played together, right? When Paul George and that is true. Westbrook played together, what was it, the 18 and 19 season. And I believe Paul George was even a MVP candidate, right? He was he like finished third, third that year. Third. Third, fourth. So, yeah, yeah I mean, hopefully uh, he plays well with Paul George. But now I'm going to insult you by saying that the plus minus for Westbrook have been pretty terrible the past three seasons. So. <laughs> Good luck. I, I'm going to add also a silver lining here. Um, like John was saying, like Westbrook on the Clippers is not Westbrook on the Lakers. And a big thing is three-point shooting. So Lakers for three-point percentage and three-point three point attempted, they are bottom three. And if you're looking at the Clippers, they're like somewhere between like top five to top eight in both categories. 
And if there's anything that you need to surround Russell Westbrook with to make him effective, and so that he could drive into the paint and do the things that he likes to do, it's surround him with shooting. Another silver lining, Russell Westbrook does not miss a lot of games. You have stars right now on the Clippers who rest so often. And I think Russell Westbrook, if he fits well, can keep this boat afloat while other superstars take time off. That's a big if though, if he fits well, right? We haven't seen him fit well in the past three years. There is no possible. But for his salary, I think it's worth the risk. So 100%. for me, the Clippers secretly, I think, made a really good move <gasps> by oh. adding Russell Westbrook oh. because oh. the risk is low. They don't have to start oh. him, okay? They don't have to put him in the closing lineup, right? Wow. There's no, there's no, there's no loyalty here. They didn't invest a lot of money in it, so they could do whatever we they want with those minutes, wow. right? I, I well, I'm not gonna say right, but I I, I can think I, I think I could speak. Well, I'm kind of speechless. That's why I'm mumbling. I think I speak for everyone here when I say. I think I speak for everyone here when I say I was not expecting that. I'm just but, saying, dude. Friends, hey, hey, we you, call that a contrarian take. You may no, you may be right. And I will say this before we jump to the next topic. I just cannot wait until Westbrook is pulling it, grabs a rebound, and some some guy, Norman Powell, had made like three threes in a row. Instead of passing it to Norman Powell, pulls up for three, bricks it, and then they pan right to Kawhi Leonard and see his reaction on the bench. That's what I that's what I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to the most. I'm saying it's a it's a big if that he fits really well. Okay, don't don't gloss over that part. But I'm saying they made a really smart move that it was a low investment and they have the low opportunity. Risk, high reward. Low risk, exactly. high reward. Exactly. Okay. So I think I think it was smart because I don't know who else you would have got out there that would do exactly what John Wall was doing, right? But be more reliable in the sense That's of health. That's fair. Sammy, how do you feel about Russell Westbrook on the on the Clippers? On a scale of one to 10, 10 being awesome, one being, you know, awful. <clears throat> Negative is also acceptable. Negative numbers <laughs> are also acceptable. Yeah, this, this is true. Four and a half. Four and a half. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're going to have to wait until tomorrow's game, huh? Yeah. Who are well, they playing? Who are the Clippers playing? Sacramento. Ooh, light the beam. Ooh. They might yeah. be lighting the beam. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's... There's going to be a beam. We'll see what's going on with it. <laughs> anyway, let's take a short little break with a word from our sponsor. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 in the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. With that, I'm going to take us to our next topic here. And it looks like an anonymous uh, coach talked about basically the Hackaben story and he said that Scott Brooks and the Washington Wizards actually started this. He said, quote, the first guy that started the hack of Ben process was Scott Brooks with Washington. They're playing Philly a few years ago and Philly up around 20 points. Brooks started putting 
Simmons on the line in the fourth quarter and the game was getting closer as Ben is stepping up to the line and bricking more and more foul shots. So finally, Bradley Beal had to foul him. Usually you don't have to have your best player fouling, but at that point he did. When that happened, Ben and Beal had this sort of animated conversation. Ben said, I'm tired of you mother something fouling me on purpose, man. I'm going to step up here and knock these two down. $5,000 says I will. To which Beal replied, you want to make it 20? And then he went up and bricked one. <laughs> I don't think Ben said another word. Wow. What do you guys think of this anonymous story from, I guess, a random coach about the hack of Ben story? JJ, what do you think? Awesome, man. I mean, it's I I can't I want to say that I feel bad for Ben Simmons, but he puts it himself in these situations. Like when he was drafted, his report said that he wasn't a motivated player. Sixers not motivated. Nets not motivated now, and he's he's not even playable according to the reports. So like when you see Ben at the free throw line as a point guard hitting down free throw should be automatic i don't know about you john and sammy but don't you think it should be automatic you gotta back up your talk man and if you're gonna talk smack and say i'm tired of all you mother effers following me on purpose i'm gonna come up here and knock these two down and then you're gonna miss that's like the most unalpha thing that you could do I think I think we know we find this we found the story of uh, that's initiated Ben Simmons' downfall in the NBA. It's it's this one right here. <laughs> JJ's right. Yeah. I mean, what's worse? The worst part about it is he didn't even make the first free throw. He said he was gonna make knock down both, and he didn't even make the first one. I mean, come on, man. Come on. Five. I mean, twenty k. It's just like a drop in the bucket, but like. Uh, it's a, I think it's a funny story though. Usually, have these guys. You hear the the good, the great. You know the greats, like Kobe or Jordan. Jordan knocking down the free throw with his eyes closed, or Kobe talking smack, making both free throws. You got Ben Simmons talking smack, bricking the first one that he shot. <laughs> <laughs> nice change of pace that we got. But yeah, I think it's a great story. But it's come on, man, make your free throws. And if you're gonna talk smack, you better make your free throws for sure. What do you guys think? Funny you mentioned um, Michael Jordan because uh, literally the exact thing I was thinking in my head was Michael literally goes up, makes a bet with Matumbo, says, Matumbo, this is for you, shuts his eyes and just drills it. Meanwhile, Ben over here won't raise the bet and tosses up a brick. It's like the exact opposite <laughs> mentality. <laughs> and I don't mean to hate on him. And I know, JJ, you said something similar, but we're, we both just are anyway because if I could think of one thing that defines the last two two years of Ben Simmons' career, it feels like this story. Yeah. Like 100%. And have you noticed, so that series was what? He's saying a few years ago. If I remember right, he used to shoot, not great from the line, but like in the 60s. You notice the last few years, it's closer to 50%. It's, 60s aren't good either. Yeah. <laughs> it's like every time he goes wow. to the line, he, he just sees 20 grand that he lost oh, or something like that. Like, Dude, seriously. Uh, yeah, what, that, that's what I see now. What I don't understand is if you're a professional basketball player, 
the line has been the same distance since you were a little kid in high school in college and now it's your job and if i spent 40 hours a week putting a ball into a, a bucket i'm pretty sure i could hit more than 60 percent of my free throws <laughs> and at least yeah. at least knock down one when i say i'm gonna knock down two but anyway we're gonna take it to our next topic here demar Derozan had this to say about the mvp conversation he said that basically qualifying players should at least play a minimum of 78 games actually at first he said all of them they should play all of the games but then he changed his mind it's like minimum 78. what do you guys think of demar derozan thinking the mvp candidate should be playing 78 games I think he was trying to find a way to make himself the lead candidate for MVP. <laughs> no offense to Marjorie, That's... you're a very good player. But I I do actually get the logic if you're an, like an old school fan, I guess for lack of a better term. But yeah. it's just not going to happen in today's NBA. I do think there should be a game minimum for MVP. But I think 78 is just not realistic in today's league. Maybe 70 I would be okay with, personally. Like 70 to 72. Um, but yeah, 78 is very strict. And then just the, the rest of that article, there is a terrific irony to me that Paul George said 75 games total, because that literally disqualifies the entire LA Clipper roster. None <laughs> of them play 75 games, except for ironically, Terrence Mann. Um, but it is kind of funny that he said that. So you would wonder, because with all these awards, like didn't Zion win rookie of the year when he played like 40 games? Did he win it that year? Or am I wrong? Somebody won Rookie of the Year when they played like half the games. It, it was... was. Go ahead, Jim. Well, if it wasn't Zion, it would have been Ja, right? Right. So by one, someone won Rookie of the Year. I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole here, but someone won Rookie of the Year in the last few years, and they played like forty or fifty games. So I guess it just. Like, if you're going to institute it for one award, I think you have to institute it for all. But I'll leave it at that. Like, do you guys agree? Fun fact. De DeMar the Rosen, since 2009, which when he came into the league as a rookie, he's mm -hmm. played 78 games every year. Three times. <laughs> three times. What? In the past how many years? <laughs> since 2009. Oh, good. Yeah, nice. so over a <laughs> Over a decade, uh, oh, almost a decade and a half. Anyway, go ahead, John. It's, it's almost like DeMar DeRozan thought we were living in, in uh, 98 and nobody could look up those numbers with a <laughs> click of true. a button. But I will, <laughs> I agree with Sammy. Well, first of all, 78, that's ridiculous, right? In today's NBA, I mean, there's maybe guys, two or three guys that, that play that many games consistently, right? And, but I do like Sammy's suggestion about making a minimum number of games to win MVP. And the reason why I like it is not just because of, you know, it, of the MVP award itself, but I think it, it motivates players to not set out games when they're having, when they have minor injuries, that there's more motivation and more incentive for them to play. And I like it from the perspective of the fan. And Anthony Edwards said, said something great over the all-star weekend and i'm sure you guys remember it but it was a quote they asked him about what, would, what what is one thing that you would change about the nba and he said 
that I wish guys would play through injuries. I wish guys, when they're minor, when they're not that serious, because you don't know this family, this, this, you know, you may have a kid who can afford one game of the year to watch his favorite players and you're sitting out because you have a mild sprain, right? Like, come on, you can play through it. This is not that big of a deal. You're not, you don't have a torn Achilles. Like that's the one thing I think it would be cool because it would kind of give guys more incentive to play more games. And and even though it's not, you know, they're not having the fan at, at the top of their mind, it still would benefit the fans in a sense. So that's my thought, JJ, what do you think? You and Sammy hit the nail on the head, which is the minimum to win an MVP, there should be at least a count, like maybe 70. But I think this whole topic just brings up the overall issue, which is too many games. The NBA has too many games. Um, You have load management everywhere, too many back-to-backs. Are you are we really gonna watch Orlando versus um, Charlotte, for example, twice a year? I mean, eighty-two games. I wish Damn. it was like so old harsh. school. I mean, <laughs> I'm just or saying, that. like, it's Orlando. hard to keep up with every game. Sorry, Orlando. Yeah, um, sorry. Yeah, like LeBron James said, I wouldn't move out there, but maybe I'll visit for Disney World. But yeah, it's all about um, we want to watch quality basketball. I think this is what it comes down to, gentlemen. You don't want to see your MVP sitting out. And we want to see quality basketball. And when you have 82 games, I think it's just too much. So what's your suggestion? How many games? Realistically, it would be cool for 70 games. And 70? Yeah, 70 games and... If players don't play, they don't get paid. Man, I would I would love that. I don't know what the, I guess, players association would think of that. But we're going to actually take this conversation now over to who we think, or rather to check in on the MVP race here. And it looks like Nikola Jokic, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, has the best odds to win MVP, following that is Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, John Morant, and then LeBron James. Um, who do you guys think, or rather, do you guys think it's realistic that Nikola Jokic can three-peat as MVP this year? It's absolutely... You know what? I think they're going to give it to him. If they continue on this pace, if the Nuggets win the West, I think they're going to give it to him because it's a great story. It draws attention. And I think the narrative around it is that we have this unathletic European basketball player who you wouldn't expect to dominate the league at his position, be one of the best centers, maybe arguably of all time at this point. You can make a case, one of the best and just the the atypical candidate to win MVP. And the only, the most recent MVP winner, can you guys guess three straight in a row? Do you know who it is? I have it up, but I, would, I want to see if you guys can guess it. It's a long time three ago. Three straight. Oh my gosh. Long time ago. Is it a... Give me the team. Chamberlain? Well, if I give you the team, it's going to be obvious. I was well, going to go Oscar Robertson. 
No. Chamberlain, no. I know Jordan didn't do it. No, Jordan, Jordan no. didn't do it. He Nash, was uh, Nash won 80s. twice, right? We're going, we're going both. Nash won. Oh, Jesus. Larry Bird. We're going back. Yeah, it was Larry Bird. Oh, Larry Bird. Oh, Larry Bird. And so Larry Bird, Will Chamberlain, and Bill Russell are the only players to ever do it. Two, two Celtics. Um, so like, for this to happen in the in 2023, after it's kind of like LeBron James breaking that record, right? And I think that. If he's if the Nuggets are the number one seed, which they're probably going to be in the Western Conference, and Jokic is putting up insane numbers, I think they're going to give it to him. I think we're going to see a three-time MVP for the first time in decades, guys. What do you think? So three in a row. That is, what's that? Three in a row. I said, right, sorry, right. three in a row is what I meant to say. So minus two fifty implies seventy-one percent probability that Jokic is going to win MVP. That's a huge number with wow. this many games left in the year. So I, I completely get your argument, John. I, I do think he should be the favorite. I don't think it should be at that high a percentage yet. I will say because it feels like his MVP talk, the narrative is peaking right now, it actually opens the door. And so to me, this is not financial advice, but if I was gonna <laughs> spend some of my own money, I would take a long look at Embiid because Philly's three games out of the one seed themselves. He had all the talk last year when he did not win it. If they can get to the one or even the two and his numbers are comparable to Jokic's, I actually think that there would be a major argument for him to win it, partially mm. because of the precedent that John just mentioned that the, the writers do not hand out three-time MVP, three-in-a-row MVPs like lightly. It just doesn't happen. I think right now, if the season ended today, you would give it to Jokic because they are the one and his numbers are just on a different level. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think he should be a slight favorite right now. I don't think he should be a 70% favorite. That's kind of where I stand on it. So we'll see, but I think it's going to come down to those two. Oh, for me, I, I don't want to sound like a hater, but if you're going to have multiple MVPs, you got to be a decade defining player so John mentioned Larry Bird Magic Johnson won three those were representatives of the 80s right George, uh, uh, not Jordan State I say uh, Johnson Johnson won three Magic Johnson Jordan won five okay represented the 90s then you have Kobe that represents the 2010s if you have Jokic that wins three during the 2020s, I wouldn't even put him as maybe above top three of this decade, to be honest. And I know that I'm coming off as a hater, but I just don't. I I would put Steph over him. I would put uh, the lore of like Embiid and even Luka right now over Jokic. I know the stats say otherwise, but maybe it's just the marketing of Jokic. Maybe he's not marketed as well as these other defining players of those decades. He's just not flashy. I think that's part of it. But also, yeah, I think right. to your point, JJ, to your point, though, he's also hasn't won championships, right? All yeah. of those guys on that list that have won regular season MVPs have led their teams to championships. And that's a valid argument. It's a valid counter argument. I mean, bro, what do you think? 
I, I want to say that the, also the problem is that Nikola Jokic has not been in at least like a high pressure series. Like not even one that I could think of. I Can you guys think of one? I don't think they've ever reached the Western Conference Finals. They and did. it's hard to... In the bubble. In the bubble. Oh, oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Okay. Good memory. Sammy, how could you forget? <laughs> I blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> I just... I don't know, man. I don't think... Like, even though Nikola Jokic may be deserving of another MVP this year, like, according to the stats, I think JJ is right. Where I think we have to save that three-time MVP thing for someone truly special. And I know that Jokic is really special. He really is. But we're talking about Larry Bird. You know what I mean? I don't think it's up there with that. That sort of dominance that Larry Bird had. Um... Also, one thing I want to bring up, John Morant is at like six, plus 6,500. <laughs> Do you guys think the media negativity around the Grizzlies is the reason why he's dropped so low here? That's a great in question. In MVP standings? Yes, because, I mean, they, so low. They're second yeah. in the West, right? And I want to say That's... that they're a top two defense. John Morant is putting up really good stats. But he's all the way down, what, let's say eight, eight down the list. That's kind of weird. His MVP odds have crashed and so have the sales of uh, laser pointers. That has also <laughs> crashed as well. <laughs> well, with that, that's all the time we have for tonight's spot. I want to thank you three for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you all. John, thanks for being on. Hey, it's good to be back with my, with my brothers. Take care. Sammy, Absolutely. thanks for being on, man. Thank you, and like all of you, I am waited on bated breath for tomorrow's debut of the new look, Russell Westbrook, Los Angeles. <laughs> and of course, shout out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is Clinic All NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts. That's the one.